Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through... It's true magic, because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You got your ass, Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk. Welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New ones every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And remember, as I tell you every week, everything you hear on the podcast as far as the interviews originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific on Faction Talk Sirius XM channel 103. Or you can listen anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. So if you can't listen in the live window... Just hit me up on the app, listen to full shows, interviews, anything you want there. If you only listen to this podcast and you don't join me on SiriusXM, you're only getting a tiny, tiny taste of what I do on the radio every day. So if you'd like to try a free trial subscription, no risk in that. Just go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. No credit card required. You'll get three months free to hear the entire program. If you listen to the live window, be able to interact and get involved with us, definitely check it out and come on board if you're in the U.S. or Canada for the daily show, Trunk Nation. Again, on Faction Talk 103 on Sirius XM. Here on the podcast, just a little taste of what I do there uh, to bring to you once a week free to the world. So this week, an extra large podcast because we've got two interviews for you. Uh, we start with Brett Michaels, who called into my show a couple weeks ago. Uh, Brett has been working and teasing this whole party gras concept for the last couple years, which is continuing into this summer. Uh, Brett was going to join me at an event called Rock Island the day after we did this interview. I was actually already in Key West, Florida, where the event happens. Brett called in. He was performing the next day, as you'll hear in the conversation. So I was in my trailer backstage, and Brett gave me a call. And we talked about a bunch of different things, including some football, which we now know some of the results of that, because again, this interview happened a couple weeks ago. So keep that in mind. But uh, Brett is rolling out a lot more of these party grad dates. We'll be hearing from him again soon. Always fun to talk to him. We'll lead with him. And then second, also from Rock Island, we'll have Paul Taylor, keyboardist and guitarist from the band Winger. Always love talking to these guys you don't hear from all that much. And Paul Taylor's a very talented guy, was very involved in the making of the new coming Mick Mars solo album, which we talk about with him as well. So you'll get some, uh, some great insights and some great uh, conversation with Paul Taylor, multi-instrumentalist with the band Winger, 
and that is the second interview on the podcast. But let's get started with Brett. Enjoy. What's happening, my brother? Awesome, Eddie, my friend. How are you down in warm, warm uh, Key West right now? It is a scorcher. And remember that trailer a couple years ago that you and I shared that was here backstage? I, I can never forget it. I am in that exact trailer. And when I opened the door to come into it yesterday for the first time, it smelled like somebody died in here in the two years since we used it. <laughs> we, so I'm going to you know what? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to go. I'm going to do you a favor in case you need it tomorrow. I'm going to go to the CVS. I'm going to buy a little Febreze. And I'm going to spray it down for you. So it smells nice and nice and fresh for you tomorrow if you need to use it. My brother, you could not do anything kinder than that. We're going to Febreze it up. We're going to split that sucker right down the middle, you and me, and we're going to make a party out of that thing. <laughs> I thought you were going party to gra- it smells like a party wagon in here. <laughs> <laughs> party gras in a, uh, in a tiny RV in a little parking lot behind the stage at uh, Rock Island. Sounds like a plan, man. Um, so listen, I know, unfortunately, you know, you couldn't come on live tomorrow cause you're not going to be here in the hours that I'm on the air, which I totally get. So I appreciate you taking some time, uh, to call in. And for those that are coming to see you tomorrow here at Rock Island in Key West, what do you have planned? Cause I know you got some great special guests with you. Absolutely. Well, well, first of all, let me just say this. It was one of my absolute favorite shows. The last time we were down there was incredible. Everyone just in a good mood and, um, and that's what the party girl is. I, I know you know that you've been, we've been friends forever, but that's what we're bringing. All the I call it all killer hits, no filler, um, and just bringing a bunch of great friends with me. We're going to get up there and just the whole day, uh, a lot of great bands, and then we're going to have people join me on stage. D and Lou, and it's just every hit you can think of is going. It's just going to be an awesome night. You know, last night, this was closed out by a band that you had with you on the Party Gras tour, and that was Night Ranger. They closed the show here last night, and they brought the house down and uh, and turned in a great set as well. So, in a way, there's a lot of elements to the, the Party Gras tour last year here at Rock Island, because also on the bill with you tomorrow is Jefferson Starship, who you had out. Absolutely. So, let me just say this. A lot of people last year, when they came out, I said, look, this is about the music. It's about friendship, the bands. That's the way I've tried to make it throughout my entire career. And that vibe coming down to Rock Island, again, Starship, unbelievable. Everyone comes up, but at the end of the night, we all sing a song together. And Night Ranger, I, I could truly say this, band and crew, my best friends. We had the best tour together they, I've never seen them never give a thousand percent on stage. Starship the same way, playing their hits. And it's just going to be one of those nights where everyone's, it's song after song after song is a hit. And then at the end of the night, we bring everyone up. Uh, and you know how this goes. We always grab a couple fans out of the audience and bring them up with us. And we're just going to make a great party out of it. You know, you have with you now for at least this show tomorrow, you've got two really two different special guests than what you had out last summer. And those being Dee Snyder. And I just saw Dee do this, go up and do a special guest slot, actually with Jack Russell at an event we were at in Cancun a month or two ago. And he gets up and he does his three songs. And, you know, Dee is just an amazing front man as well and comes out and does a great job. And then also tomorrow... You've got, to me, one of the great voices in rock history in Lou Graham, who I'm sure is going to come out and do some of the Foreigner stuff, right? One million percent. And Lou, every one of them in different formats, as I try to tell people, the party grawl brings different people at different times. You never know quite who the guest is going to be. I know we're getting ready to announce the 2024, but this is the kickoff of it. And we did this together last year, and you brought me a lot of great luck and a lot of incredible fans. And this is what we're doing. Lou Graham, first of all, one of the nicest guys, brings and he sounds as great as ever. And he belts out the foreigner hits. D, I want to say this, we're born on the same day, March 15th, the Eyes of March. Uh, truly one of my great friends. And he just comes up there and his energy level is unstoppable. We, we match each other on the energy 
and it brings the house down. And and at the end of the night, we all come up together. But doing those foreigner hits and Starship on this, and it, it's going to be awesome. I was hoping Night Ranger would be there again or still in town, but I unfortunately think they are not. We're going to hope that they are. But it's just going to bring the house down for real and making sure that the fans – that's that's what matters to me. Them having a great time makes me have a great time. Well, yeah, you can see that. Anybody that's seen you play with, you know, whether it's your your own thing or Poison, of course, always talks about that. You know, going back to Lou Graham for a second, and I and look, I've known D forever, and he's a powerhouse, and he still is. I told D when I saw him the other day, I said, you know. He doesn't want to do full-time shows anymore. I'm like, I don't know why. You're still as good as you've ever been. And if you want to change on that and do Twisted, you could easily do it again because he's still uh, in tremendous shape and still sings vocally and great and comes out there and is all over the stage. But Lou is an interesting story. I spent a lot of time talking to Lou in a couple really in-depth interviews, and he's very candid and very open about all the struggles and stuff he's gone through. And... I got to tell you, Brett, and I'm sure you think this as well. Uh, I knowing everything that Lou has endured in terms of his medical stuff and all, I was like, man, you know, he's not going to be able to sing that stuff anymore. I've seen him twice in the last year. Vocally, it's amazing how good he still is. He belts it out. So here, I'm going to go even more in depth with that. Besides Lou being a super super nice guy, right? And me and him just got to talk, hang out. We got off this big cruise thing we did together. We walked the whole way out, uh, you know, uh, out to the to the vehicles that were waiting, talking about life. But the other thing, that knowing what he's been through physically, uh, not just yeah. emotionally, physically with everything, but I told him over and over, You're, you sound as good now as you've ever sounded. You belt it out. You give everything you got. But here's the thing. You were the sound a foreigner of some of the greatest rock songs written. And I said, for us to be able to go up there with the Brett Michaels band and my music director, Pete Evick and rock these. And we've done this a couple times where my band is his band and they, our band belts it out. And Lou, we all look at each other. Like it sounds as good, if not better than ever. And yet we're playing some of the greatest rock songs played on radio. Yeah, and you know, I'm curious for you as a singer, like, again, I'm not a musician, I'm not a singer, but even now when I hear foreigner songs come on the radio, whether I'm in a supermarket or a club or wherever I may be, that's the thing that jumps out to me, that vocal, I mean, that vo- his his vocal on the stuff he recorded is just, again, I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I truly feel it's some of the greatest rock vocals ever recorded. Did when you you know growing up because of course he predates you a little bit. Did did Foreigner and Lou's voice have an influence on you in in terms of wanting to be a singer and frontman yourself? Yeah, one million percent. Every you know the one thing Eddie that me and you talk about on or off the air is that everything that I've listened to, grew up with, I'm one of those guys that is grateful. Uh, to, it inspired me and lose lose vocals. You know, again, the the sound of his voice is unique. There's no place you can go that you don't hear that and go, oh, that's Lou. The, meaning you go, that's Foreigner, and and you listen to some of the greatest. Uh, again, when I go back to great rock songs, I mean, it's some of the. I mean, Hot Blooded, Double Vision. I can go on and on and on, right? But these are really songs that inspired me and i've told him that i said you, you're an inspiration you don't realize that 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 keeps passing the torch on and that's what you hope to do when you're doing this and that's where party Grawl was born and i'm going back to i'm going back to the start of poison we would go play shows when every other band was turning stuff down we're like nope let's go play with armored saint down at pomona valley auditorium let's put leonard skinner on this show with us just let people get exposed to great music, and it just brings a lot of genres together. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I got to ask you this: Obviously, you're you're coming here to Key West tomorrow, and you'll 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 headline uh, day number three here of Rock Island. But you uh, you you know, going out with this party gras concept, which you did last summer, and I saw the show in New Jersey. You had Night Ranger, you had Starship. 
Uh, at those dates, you had Mark McGrath come out. You had Steve Augieri come out. So you're, you're obviously evolving it and changing it, and it seemed to do very well. You seemed very happy with the response. The fans seemed to love it last summer. So is it going to be, and I know you wanted to build it to an ongoing summer thing, is it going to be something you're going to do again this summer and you're going to want to go out and uh, do on a recurring basis? Yeah, and it's the, the party grawl is the name of a feel it's the vibe of what we do it changes with different with different artists we're starting it technically even though it's rock island it's it's the tomorrow night is the kickoff of the party girl it's a lot of the artists that will be on with me in different things so you know sometimes you're with individual promoters then you're with live nation for a bunch of amphitheaters aeg for a bunch of amphitheaters there's different promoters and we change it up in each of the markets you know and one of the things about this year, um, we just launched this thing um, with CMT Crossroads. And it was my friend Chris Jansen who's got – we play this at our shows when people are walking in. But you'll hear rock, pop, country, blues. you hear all kinds of different music as it's walk in and walk out. And this year we're going to make it incredible. we got Don Felder on. He's unbelievable. He's we've here now. Yeah, Don Felder's here right now. I just watched him sound check. Yeah, he's amazing. He's the it's the best. And he I mean, wrote and was in one of the is greatest bands ever. I mean the Eagles, come yeah. on. So we've got we've got there. Um we'll take the position of what Starship did last year. And then we got Chris Jansen with Buy Me a Boat, Fix a Drink. If anyone of your listeners has a chance to watch the Brett Michaels, Chris Jansen, CMT Crossroads, where we wail four of his big hits, four of my big hits. We do it together. It's this party vibe. You can't. It was a game changer for CMT. And then all of a sudden you've got this. You mix that up. And then on stage, D's coming out with me. Chris will come back out. We've got a mystery guest that's going to be joining us, who I'm going to say is a, a true friend from the beginning till now uh and we're going to announce that a little closer to the live nation events and don felder it's it's going to be think of the night of hits we've got from the eagles to poison to twisted sister to chris jansen with buy me a boat and fix a drink i mean these are you look these up and it's got umpteen zillion views and it's just a good vibe and then we're putting another guest on there uh as well so it sounds like there's going to be a lot, and you're going to vary it and change it up, and you're going to keep it fresh. And, and again, the bottom line is, and I know knowing you so well and how well you do it, it keeping it fun and keeping it loose and just making it a party because that's, that's how you roll. Um, I think it's interesting, Brett. I, you, you doubt, you're, it sounds like you're going to mix in a little, a little country flavor into this. Are you personally a big country music fan? Was that an influence on you as well growing up? It is, and it it was, and it is, but it's 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 the sound. Like if you listen to what uh, countries evolved into, a lot of it carries a lot of the rock that we grew up in our genre playing. Sure, and a, a yeah. lot of those artists, whether it was Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw, and I went up and did Every Rose Has Its Thorn together at the stadium, and then Poison played there the next night. And I think I think all those boundaries, and I and I mean this because of people like yourself myself we broke down a lot of those boundaries and and walls that were up that allow people to listen to to have a shuffle on their playlist and i think if people come out and they hear hits that's what they want to do if i go to a concert i want to hear maybe a new song or two but honestly i want to go there and have a great time i want to be able to sing along drink a beer and have a great time and that's that's all I can bring to the table is that energy and big hit music for people to enjoy. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow night. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's happened too is the way people get music. Now, when you and I were growing up, of course you, you couldn't listen to a record before you bought it. You had to make that investment of eight, 10, 15 bucks, whatever it is to buy an album. And that was it. Now, of course, you know, there's pros and cons to the music industry now, but now of course, any, kid could click on anything in two seconds on their phone and hear it without paying per play 
And with that, I think it's opened up a lot more diversity among people listening where if you were in a rock lane or a country lane or a hip hop lane or whatever it was now, because it's so easy to listen to other stuff, it seems to me like a lot more people are being exposed to it and maybe a little more open to it. Absolutely. One million percent. And here's the thing out before I go back in the day, I'm just using an example. My daughters, Rain Elizabeth and, and Georgia Blue, they they listen to everything, but their big party songs, when they're throwing a party at the house or having a good time with their friends or at college, they, they're listening, again, ACDC, GNR, Poison. You know, those are the songs where they all start acting crazy and having fun, and it makes me feel good, but they mix it in with listening to everything, country, pop, R&B. They're listening to hip-hop, but it all... It's broke down those walls, but for us, I had to listen to, bear with me, a little piece of a song get played, and then you were investing in an album. So if you were going to buy the first Van Halen record, you, you got a little piece of a song, and then you prayed that the rest of that album that I, that I went and bought had some great songs, and they did. But that's the way now you can just pop it up and listen, and it gives you a little taste. But it also gives us what I think the music industry, it keeps evolving. I think it's allowed us to also break down a bunch of barriers and give people a lot of diversity and let them decide what they like and don't like. Yeah, no doubt. I'm curious, what was the first record you ever bought as a kid that you remember buying with your own money? I do. I remember it ridiculously well. So it was a garage sale. It's still one of my best friend Billy Jones's house, and they were selling Led Zeppelin II at a garage sale. This is no lie, and I believe it was Leonard Skinner pronounced. That was the name of the record, and those were the first two. And then I, after that, went to the Sears record collection where I bought one and borrowed one, and that happened to be Kiss and Van Halen. Which I kiss paid record? For one and then and then the other one. I don't know how it made it under my leather jacket. I'm not saying it was right or wrong, allegedly, <laughs> but it made its way out the door. And then I felt bad later, and when I had a little scratch, I could put together some money. I literally went back and paid them because I felt morally obligated to do it. How about the re- how about the record clubs? Were you ever in the record clubs? Remember, you used to send a penny and you get like eight records or something in the back of a magazine. Did you ever do those? Yes, yes, and yes. Let me do this, yeah. and then you could get eleven albums, eleven for a penny. But then you didn't. I never bothered to read the fine print underneath. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot to read that. I didn't think it through. I've gotten smarter since then. Um, but those record clubs were the best. And when they showed up. That, that was Christmas all over again. But let me say, my, one of my biggest days of my life, if you go back through my old interviews, when Poison's Look What the Cat Dragged In made it to the Columbia House, I think it was Columbia Record and Tapes, Columbia House Record and Tape, right? Right. That literally, I'm not making it up. When I saw it on there, I've never been so excited in my life. I said, that's it. We We hit the big time. <laughs> and by it the way, that true, small though. print... I know, but that small print, I remember it clearly what it said. You must buy whatever the amount of additional records was, but here was the big ta- here was the big line that you wanted to ignore, at regular club prices, which were like $20 That's, an album. You just said it. I go, I forgot to read at regular and or exaggerated club prices. Right. <laughs> that was the part that. that part. It, it almost put me under. Right. That was the part that we all wanted to ignore as kids. Regular club prices. You wanted you just wanted those eleven records to show up one day and then like, you know, oh wait, I'm on the hook, you know, and that's when it turned bad and you had to go to your parents and say, You gotta buy me eight more records of twenty bucks a pop. (laughs) My dad I said, Dad, what do you know? He goes, Did you read this part at the bottom? I go, No. I said, They're just giving me everything for a penny. He goes, no, no, you got to read. Because he knew he was going to be the one holding, uh, you know, holding the bag for it. But he did. Right. He made me. I, I, I worked. That I did some lawnmower and uh, snow shoveling to work through uh, the rest of those at club pricing. <laughs> hey, man, before I, I let you go. For you. I got one more kick. What's that? Before I tell you, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. And we're going to rock. And we're going to, this year, we're going to. Uh, 
accommodate sharing the uh, Febreze trailer, all right? Yes. But before that, I want to give you my first true listening on my close and play record player. I'm not I had one, up. too. I, I had it. Cut. I used scissors, and off the back of my cereal box, cut my first record out of the Partridge family. I had to cut the album. It was on the back of the actual cereal box. I beg people to look this up. It's, I'm not making Oh, the Flexi. It. They were called Flexi Discs. Sure, I had them, That's too. Exactly. They were in magazines, too. Yeah. In magazines, and my first one was cutting it off the back of the cereal box. <laughs> um, you know, and eating all that cereal to get that record may have caused me to get the diabetes, but I was going to enjoy <laughs> oh, that damn record no matter what. <laughs> hey, I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't let you go without asking you if there's anything you know going on with Poison, and if you have any plans with Poison anywhere in the near future. People still buzzing about how great you were on the stadium tour. Do you have any plans to reconvene with those guys? 100 percent and and i look forward to it and we're going to have that big discussion you know we we always get with you and and you're our first big discussion and that i i'm i'm saying 100 percent in the let me say this not near but not too distant future how's that sound well that's going to make uh, poison fans very happy to hear that's that's awesome and lastly i can't let you go without offering you uh condolences on your steelers i texted you uh, before the game they put up a good fight it was nice that they unlike my giants at least they made it in uh to the playoffs but uh now that they're out what's your prediction what team wins it all this year in the in football man that's tough so first of all you're asking me. I'm still emotionally wounded. I don't cry, but I do get emotional sweat in my eyes when the Steelers lose. <laughs> um, I, I shed a little emotional sweat. But I'm going to tell you something. There, the the the. Uh, so if I was to say, you know, we all would like to see that matchup. If if it goes down to a division between the Lions, go with me. The Lions and Detroit. Detroit. Listen, they've been waiting for this a long time. I don't know if you watched yeah. that game. There was a so I did. my buddy is Sean McVay. He's a coach of the Rams, and he's an unbelievably great coach for real. But they that was that was Super Bowl style football coming down to yeah. one point. I was watching grown men. It may have been some of my road crew bawling in that stadium when the Lions won that game. So. They call Motor City MCDC. Motor City Dan Campbell's doing a great job. But Baker and Tampa look good. I mean, San Fran, you've got a lot a lot going on. My two Baltimore. Teams is, yeah, the Steelers and the Eagles are out. I'm bummed as a Pennsylvanian. But I'm, I'm also saying the Ravens are tough on yeah. our side in our division. And it's a it's, – it, but also, uh, you know – Kansas City, the Bills. I mean, you got a lot of great teams going up. Yeah, now it gets real. Yeah, now it comes down to, again, who wants it the most, but maybe the Bills and the Lions, both blue-collar, near each other. That could be be an insane Super Bowl. That would be pretty cool to see. Those fan bases are definitely uh, dying for that, and uh, I I was happy. Dan Campbell's a former player for the Giants, so I was happy to see him win as well with the Lions the other day for their fans. So I was kind of pulling for that. Me too. He's a good dude. And, again, it's tough because a lot of the players now and the coaches are friends of mine. They all know I. the first thing is Steelers. Then I Then I also the Eagles because they're my other Pennsylvania team, and they weren't in the same, obviously, AFC and NFC. But So it made it easy to do it. But I'm telling you, it's this year is going to be crazy, and it's in Vegas, which is insane. That's going to be a party yeah. to begin with, correct? If I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah. the Super Bowl's in Vegas. Yes, it is, and I you know, I have a second home there, so I'm going to be there Super Bowl week, and I can't wait because that town, as you know, is party central anyway, so add in uh, the biggest sporting event in the world, and it's going to be nuts that entire week. You think? You're going to be, you're <laughs> going to be the king of Vegas, baby. Oh, yeah, it's going to be all about me, Brett. <laughs> no, no, we're going to put you on a float, and I'm, I'm going to drive you around. I'm going to put you on the float <laughs> and drive you around. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what anybody. That's just what everybody wants to see. Super Bowl they weekend do. in Vegas is is they me do. on a on a float, right? Exactly. Yep, yeah, we'll yep. get right to that. <laughs> <laughs> you got, 
You can't wear that thong you have on right now, though, that you're wearing in Key West. We're going to get you a football outfit. Damn, I was you just you busted me, man. I was out on the beach just rocking that thing and you saw that son of a bitch. Like nothing gets by you, buddy. I'm ah. We diverted. We were about to land and we saw you out there and diverted. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who's that big chooch on the beach in a thong? <laughs> hey, listen, always good to talk to you. Exactly. That I understand. I don't. I would understand people be offended by that for sure. Listen, um, not. we love you. You're our superhero. <laughs> Always good to talk to you, my friend. We'll see you here in Key West. I'll keep the trailer nice and fresh for you. And uh, Brett will be headlining Rock Island with a bunch of great guests we just talked about here in Key West tomorrow. And then uh, you know the drill. Go to Brett's socials. Keep up with everything he's, he's got going on. A lot of party gras action in 2024. And uh, sounds like some poison action sooner than later as well. So all good stuff. Travel safe. And I'll see you when you get here. I love you, my friend. Thanks for, for you, for real, all the great years. We're all fans of you. And I'm driving you around that damn float. Damn it. <laughs> I'll take you up. <laughs> right. I'll take you up on that. I'll talk to you soon, man. Bye bye. Bye. Well, thanks to Brett. He's already announced more party gras dates since that interview, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from him again on the radio show very, very soon. Myrtle Beach is the beach. Sixty miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service. Next up, Paul Taylor from Winger. Paul dropped by my broadcast position at Rock Island a couple weeks ago. Here's how that conversation went. Good to see you, man. Hey, thanks, Eddie. Hey, everybody. And, uh, you know, a lot to, you know, I, I always wanted to talk to you for a little bit because we always run into each other, whether it's on the cruises or events like this yeah. or whatever. And it's a quick hello or whatever, but rarely do we get a chance to actually talk a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I've always been such a fan of, of your work and the bands that you've been a part of and what your Thanks. contributions you. were to those bands. And we'll talk Winger and some of the other stuff. But, you know, I, I had Mick Mars on uh -huh. this show. Yeah. And he let me world premiere his his song. And... Uh, uh, it's funny because Mick is a man of his word because he told me about 10 years well, ago. And he was telling me while we were writing the record all along, he mentioned it numerous times like, yeah, Eddie's going to be the first guy. Yeah. And he, he stuck to his word. He's a good guy. Yeah, he followed through on that and he texted me. He's like, I'm finally ready. And there were a couple times where he said he was ready and then it didn't uh, happen. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were kind of getting ready to start giving up on it. I was like, man, I don't know if he's ever going to let this thing go. But he, he finally did and was, I was super happy. I was wondering about that too because I thought maybe there was like, I thought he was going to bail on the whole thing because it had been so many start stops well and sometimes the problem with sitting on something for a long time is then all of a sudden it starts to be old news in your brain and you're just like eh, i'm sick of this thing and not, not realizing hey man nobody else has even heard this so yeah uh, but yeah he uh all of a sudden one day he just sent me this text and it's like hey coming out halloween and just 
yeah, it, was, it all came down quick once he pulled the trigger on it. So, so tell me about your because there's been a lot of people that have been affiliated with that record, and now we've got two songs out. Loyal to the Lie is what I premiered, and I think the other uh, track, Right Side, right side or wrong. wrong, yeah. So there's two tracks out. The full record coming, I think, in a month or so. But tell me about your history with it because there were a lot of different people involved in this record coming and going and whatever when did you jump in were you there from day one no um and i just kept hearing rumblings in town you know and different people yeah like you say i knew different people were working on it and but one day michael wagner just called me out of the blue and just said hey let's grab lunch and i said sure and he said hey you know we've got a bunch of songs written he goes i'm working on the mick thing and i, I didn't know he was part of that so he had jumped in somewhere <laughs> along the line and so he just said, hey, can you help us write lyrics for all these songs? And uh, I said, sure, you know. So my, he took me up to meet Mick. And, you know, actually the first thing I asked him is like, you know, what's he like as a guy? I mean, So you but, didn't know him? I, no. I'd never, oh, wow. I never had met him. And uh, so uh, we sat, we talked for like six hours. And finally I, I said, hey, I, I would love to do this. You know, I said, why don't we, why don't you just throw me two ideas? I already know which ones that you played me. And you know, let me do what I do to him and then I'll give him back and you do, you know, take it the next thing. So, you know, I lucked out. I mean, the first the first song I wrote uh, with him, which uh, it's called Alone. And it's kind of funny. It, all it was is this little piano part that he had written and he had numbers on the piano key and he did them all separate. And so I'm like, I'm going to take that. And, turn it. and it turned out it's kind of almost like a foreigner sounding song. Um, but anyway, we just blasted that one out. And that was just so I could kind of show him what I did and see if it gelled and if he even liked, you know, and then I just told him, look, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you hate what I do, you know, but let's give it a shot. So yeah, it turned out good. So, so when you, when you say he threw you some ideas, what were they fully done songs except for lyrics or pretty much? Um, but then, you know, being as that Mick doesn't write lyrics much or uh, or melodies a lot, you know, he's mostly the music and guitar and, and man, talk about full of ideas. I, every day he plays me new stuff and all these sound effects and thing, he does stuff with a guitar that's, you know, I'm like, you know, sometimes it'll sound like a mandolin or a string section. I mean, so he gave me plenty of things, but they had like nine solidified, pretty much recorded things. But when I went to kind of try and write, a song over it, you know, they had to be kind of reconfigured, um, which, you know, he agreed as we got into them. I'm like, see what's happening here. This one goes reverse and then there's this big section and we, we need to get to the chorus somehow, you know? So we just started working together and kind of rearranging them and, and changing stuff around. And so it was very, uh, a lot, I don't know. It, we just hit it off. You know, we, we kind of heard things the same. And, uh, as a songwriter and, is that a challenging thing for you to jump in at something? It when, can be. Uh, I would think where a good part of it's done already, but then you've got to not only interject your thing and do what's needed, but you may have to reconfigure some stuff. And that, that I would think would be a tricky balancing act. It, it, it could. And it was a couple songs that gave me a run for the money. And, and I should mention as well, uh, right after, well, right off the bat, I just told him, hey, look, I can write lyrics and help out. And but if I try and sing you what I'm writing, you're going to hate it. It's because I can't sing very well. I can sing backup. So I suggested bringing Jacob Bunton because me and Jacob write and have written a lot of stuff for TV together. And we were just totally compatible writers. So, and then I thought, wow, then I have a built in voice and, you know, and the three of us I thought would be very you know compatible as, and, and it turned out to be that, you know, so we, we all got just going on each one. We'd get up to a new song and we'd, talk about it and we'd sit with Mick and he'd we'd go okay switch that to over here and change that and shorten this and and then me and Jacob would go and write some lyrics and then bring them to Mick and he'd go I don't like that and we'd change them and so yeah it was a lot of fun when what year did you get involved did you jump in on this uh I think it was 2018 so, so it's a long it's been a long haul it might have been 19 but uh you know so roughly three four years yeah the reason i ask that is because mixed record again the, the the gestation period for this thing goes back easily 10 years and yeah. i know that he had different producers involved i know uh karabi was in there for yeah. a while working with them all these different people you, i was hearing coming and going like five years ago he or maybe longer he put stuff on youtube i yeah. remember that was the first time he contacted me he goes putting these teasers out i'm ready to go <laughs> and i think that was different stuff than ultimately came out it was so yeah. so there's also like I, I would imagine beyond just trying to come in and do what you do as a writer 
you also have to kind of like he probably went through a whole navigation process as to what's actually what's the record actually going to be well i think that's why it took a long time i think he was just trying to find who he was as a solo guy you know and and sometimes you know you start writing something oh that's pretty good and then you write a few more things and go okay maybe that first stuff wasn't so good and you you know you can be chasing your tail for a while sometimes and uh but I mean, he's really prolific. He he pumps out ideas all the time. So um, you know, I, it was like in a way, it was like a kid in a candy store for me because he had uh, tons of great parts, and and some of the songs were as is. They were perfect, you know. And we just kind of worked on the lyrics together. But um, yeah, it's 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 really. And he said that to me. Uh, Mick said that to me. He said at one point, he goes, Ed, he goes. One of the problems I'm having, he goes, I've never done anything outside of Motley Crue. Yeah. He goes, even, you know, whether it's management, label, setting up publishing, whatever it is, all these things I've got to do, uh, agents, everything. He, he goes, I've just been under that umbrella. So I think that for him, just trying to become a solo artist after all those decades in Motley, you'd think a guy like that would know all the ins and outs, but... It's different animal when well, you're out there on your own. And at the time he was writing a lot of this stuff, he didn't know who was going to be singing it. So, and that's always kind of a, you never know. And that's, you know, but he did tell me, he's like, man, I, I really would love to have a guy that kind of sounds like David Bowie has like a lower kind of Bowie-ish voice. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, I, I want something different. And, and I had remembered a song that Jacob, I had went to a video shoot right after I had met him on a cruise one time. I went to his band Lynam's uh, video shoot for a, a song called Cold. And in the verses, he's got this, I mean, he has a beautiful low end to his voice when he's singing. So that's what immediately brought Jacob to mind. And, and as, you know, he's an amazing writer as well. But uh, so, yeah, you know, sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it all just falls together and everybody just gels. And we had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know. So how much did you write on the record? Do you have co-writes on everything? Or? Everything but the last song, which is an instrumental. Okay. Yeah, and it's an old kind of, uh, I don't know what, can, I don't even know what style. It's almost like, I don't know, it's got, it's shuffly blues kind of thing. It's guitar. It's it's really cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Are you, um, uh, you only wrote or did you play on it as well? Yeah, I played. You yeah. played. Yeah, I played on keys, all, all guitar. The, all, what'd you do? All the keys. Yeah. Keys. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised by the record? I'm I'm surprised you didn't know Mick previous because you being in Winger since day one, him and Motley, I would think your paths would have crossed. Yeah, we just, which is strange. Uh, yeah, I never crossed paths with him, but uh, and you know he doesn't get out a lot either. Right. So unless we were on tour together, you know he he uh, he likes to stay home more than be out. So uh, I didn't run into him anywhere. Were you surprised at the direction that he was taking with the record? There were a lot of people that assumed Mick Mars, solo record, older blues, guitar-based guy, he's going to make a, like a bluesy kind of like retro uh, well, record. that's the rumors I was hearing around town. He was making a bluesy thing. And, I, and uh, I, so, yeah, I, when they started playing me some of the idea, I was like, holy crap, this is not blues at all. Yeah. You know, uh, so it was fun, man. I, I totally loved it. Yeah, no, it's a killer record. I'm, I've heard the whole record. I'm looking forward to everybody getting to hear it. Yeah, Again, I'm, there's two tracks out now from it. Yeah, and some of the stuff I think will be surprising to people like Undone or, or Killing Breed. I know Mick just loves Killing Breed. And, um, Heavy. Uh, just uh, me and Mick just wrote that one together. And, um, yeah, it's just real, it's almost cinematic, you know, and that Undone as well, you know. Yeah. Big arrangements on those songs. And then there's, of course, the heavier stuff and, so yeah, it's it's a nice variety, I think, you know. You mentioned Jacob Bunton who sings a lot on that record and contributed to it as well. Jacob's a friend as well and I mega talented guy. Mega talented. And I don't I don't think people much like you, you know, there's these guys that are kind of like these behind the scenes guys <laughs> that do all this stuff that you may not know or be aware of as a you know, as a fan of. They see you all Paul Taylor the keyboard player and winger, you know, that, that you guys have all these other things you do, whether it's writing, whether it's producing. You mentioned TV music uh, a second I've ago. I've written a ton of that. Yeah. So, so, so tell the audience, if you will, who know you as you know Paul Taylor, the dude from Winger, of some of these other things you do. We just yeah. talked about writing for Mick, but you do a lot of that kind of work, right? Yeah, well, I mean, over the years, you know, I wrote a record with Steve Perry from Journey uh, the, for Love of Strange Medicine record. I wrote the whole thing with him except for two songs. 
Um, I, I, I toured with Alice Cooper on and off for right, 13 of years, which is where I met Kip. I think everybody in Winger was in Alice at yeah, one point. It, well, right? we were. Yeah, Pretty everybody at Rod. And uh, <laughs> let's see, what else? I uh, played with Nick Gilder for a short period of time, Aldenova, of course, and just. Uh, but uh, you know, and then we were talking earlier, Skid Row. I wrote uh, the gang's all here with uh, Snake and Rage. Um, yeah, tell me about that because because now Rachel was living in uh, Nashville. For, yeah, you you live in Nashville, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So Rachel was living there. I know you know. I know he just moved back to Jersey. He told me he just yeah. left Nashville. But how did you get tied in with Skid Row? Did you guys have a history or? You know, uh, when he moved to town, we just uh, me and him and Ryan Cook just started hanging, and you know, it would just uh, go out to dinners and stuff, and uh, you know, we'd got together and written on a couple little ideas, just not for his band or my band, just kind of throw some ideas out and so we knew hey man we could write good so when it came time for them to start writing for the record he called me and said hey you know you want to write some stuff for skid row and so i put together some quick ideas and we we got together i had that the one open the main riff and got together and me and him bashed out a good portion of the song and then we brought snake in and he came up with some great ideas that took it to the final level and so yeah um, but we wrote that one back in 2018 and I had forgotten about it and none of us are really singers. So we were kind of just humming all the stuff that we thought it was going to go. And, uh, of course, as luck would have it, by the time it got recorded, it was with Eric Gronwald, who I'm a huge fan of. I mean, the guy just sings his buns off. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I heard it, I, I, I mean, it, it was a way better song than I thought it was. You know, in my mind, I was like, really, that's going to be the single? <laughs> and it ended up being the title track to the record, <laughs> And the too. title track of the record, yeah. Right. And he told me that. I hadn't heard it yet. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I was thinking, I don't remember it being that good of a song. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. It sounds great. Yeah, and that's cool, too, because, I mean, I, I go back with the Skid Row guys since before they were signed, you know, being all Jersey guys and me being from Jersey. And the, in their history, they've not worked with a lot of outside writers. There's not a, t- a couple here and there, but right. not a lot. So. Right. Well, once again, I mean, Rachel, the, those guys, Rachel and Snake, they can pump the ideas out. Yeah. They, they don't have any shortage of ideas, so they certainly didn't need me. But, you know, sometimes it's fun to get together with your buddies and write a song and, you know. So and especially that there was no pressure on it because we weren't like oh we we need to write the single or something you know but yeah, yeah. It, it just turned out it was yeah <laughs> you touched on yourself and Jacob producing and writing stuff for TV uh, I know Fred Corey does a lot of that too I know he's he done does. stuff for movies and he's been on the show talking yeah. about it what 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 have you done in that area and and is that something you really enjoy doing that kind of work well so I. Uh, the guy that originally got me into it all, which I've written about 350 songs for TV now, um, was Mark Ferrari. Oh, um, right. Because uh, Mark Master had Master Sources. Exactly. So, Wait, let me stop you there to f- fill people in on that, because that's a story. So Mark, who you know best, is one of the guitar players from Keel back in the day. And Cold Sweat. And Cold Sweat. Mark started a company called Master Source, where he started placing music in... Uh, building this ba- will you take me through it he built a bank of music that would uh, yeah, be licensed they, at the time they called them uh, music libraries and right. now they call it production music um, but yeah and what essentially Mark did that set him apart from everybody else was he was the first guy to like record and put songs together that were good enough and recorded well enough to be on a record where before a lot of TV stuff and all it was just elevator music and crap like that and so he was like, hey, man, let's do full-blown songs that would be good enough for albums. And, uh, you know, and I, at the point where I ran into him, uh, we we put a song out. And, I mean, it was like a week later, and he'd already placed it three times. And I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool, you know. And, a uh, matter of fact, it was a song called Have a Drink on Me, and uh, we had Mark Torian sing it. It's kind of, it sounded kind of like a Leonard Skinner kind of tune, and that it's placed a ton of times. Is that right? Yeah. So where where like where would we have maybe seen it placed? Gosh, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, that one was in like Pushing Tin, the movie with Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. And, uh, but I, you know, a lot of times I never hear until I get my statements. I mean, you know, our stuff gets used on all the TV shows, everything. You know. So it's a bank. So for the for somebody listening that doesn't understand how that works, so say you're making a movie, TV show, whatever, and and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding would be like because I've heard this myself. If you even if you watch a documentary, there's a reenactment. You need a song that kind of sounds like the song affiliated with that, yep. but isn't because they can't or don't want to clear it. You yep. create a song that's similar but different enough. Well, which is funny because in the old days, they would give me, they call them seed tracks, and they're like, yeah, here's some stuff we need, some stuff that, like all these. And then 
after one of the lawsuits, I, um, I can't remember which one it was about, then they were like, okay, we need it kind of like this, but don't have it in the same key. Don't have a singer like that. Don't have it the same tempo. Don't. And I'm like, so write a different song that, you know, I'm like, then why am I trying to copy it, but make it sound totally different? Like, you know, so that became confusing, but, um, and then, uh, but it's fun, you know, they, they would just, uh, or sometimes they would just go, Hey, we need, uh, 13 Motown songs or five blues songs or four pops, or sometimes they'd throw all that at me at once. And, so I'd have to go muster up all these different kinds of singers, which that was fun. I met a lot of incredible singers, um, and I just started pumping them out all through the 90s. That's what I was doing, just writing tons of songs. And it was me and two other guys, Scott and Jamie, uh, pumping out a lot of stuff for Mark. And then he'd have certain other writers for like his Christmas music and stuff like that. But we did a lot of the, the blues and pop and country and all that stuff. And uh, and then I, I also wrote, a lot of people don't know this, and it's actually really funny, but uh, the uh, theme song for Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah. Uh, my buddy had me do that. And then... And then I've had, like, I had a single with a, a girl named Nami Amora in Japan that was, like, top 10. So, you know, it's fun. I it just, you know. Is doing the TV stuff and being a writer like that, is it lucrative? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, here's the deal, because everyone in Nashville thought I was crazy. And depending on the deal, some some times they want to take the publishing, give you the writer, but they'll pay you up front for the song. So I, I was getting paid up front and then giving the publishing away and keeping my writer. So anytime it played, I still made more money. And at the time, Mark was placing our stuff left and right. Um, now everybody's trying to get involved in mm. it. And it's you don't get as many placements, you don't make as much, and you don't get as much on the back end. And it's it's something that I'm not doing as much of anymore. But um, you, you said you were doing it during the 90s. Yeah. Now, as I think about that, we all know that for bands like Winger, the 90s were <laughs> we, brutal. We were dead in the water. Couldn't yeah. get arrested. We couldn't get arrested. So was that a lifeline for you at that oh, time? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, in, in that time, I did do the Steve Perry record, but and we did a three-month tour that was really awesome with Sass Jordan opening. Um, and matter of fact, Taylor Hawkins was Sass's drummer. Right. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it absolutely saved me because that was a long time. We didn't have much going. And then it was finally, I think, uh, 2002, Kip called me and he said, hey, I just got a call from Brett Michaels and Poison's going out and they're bringing Cinderella on the road. And he just said, hey, if you guys want to put the original winger back together, uh, we'd love to take you out. And we all decided to do it. And that's how me and Kip moved to Nashville because I was in L.A., Kip was in Denver, Reb was in Pittsburgh, Rod was in Long Island. We're like, man, how are we going to do this? And our road manager, Rick, said, hey, I, I, you guys should all come to Nashville I got a place to rehearse. I can put most of you up at the house. And then your first gig's in Tupelo, Mississippi. It's 100 miles. So we were like, that makes sense. So we all flew to Nashville. And while I was there for a couple of weeks, I ended up writing a song with Jody Messina, the country artist. And I, I just, everybody I met, they're like, oh, you're a writer? Let's write. You know, tomorrow, now? I was like, really? So, yeah. I. Uh, you know, when you think about it, we and I've talked to Kip and, and Reb about this a billion times, but... And I've said it so many times, the, 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 the 90s backlash to this scene was, look, I've been in the business over 40 years. It's the most brutal, crazy thing I ever saw, how abrupt it was, right? It was very abrupt, yeah. And, and, we, and know we were, at first we were kind of taking it personally, like we were noticing like the things weren't selling and all that. And pretty soon, we, I remember one night I went and saw David Lee Roth with Cinderella and I think Extreme. And it was a place we'd played the year before, pretty much packed. And this time there was like 2,000 people. It was at Riverbend in Cincinnati. And I remember going, uh-oh, what's going on? Right. Like, So, yeah. But but where I was going with that was that Kit took the brunt of that in your band, at least, in Winger. Because obviously he's the front man. Right. He's the guy that the darts thrown at him. He's the guy, you know, that that's getting... <laughs> he's the guy the band's named after. So he's getting crushed, right? Yeah. But even for somebody like you, who was not necessarily the front person, Person of the band, you were still, I'm sure, because I've said I've said this to the, to the audience before. Like even in the industry, if you were an A and R guy that signed an '80s band, you were like couldn't get a gig. If you were a photographer known for shooting, a producer known for producing, it, it, the the gate came down on everyone. Oh, so it, even for you, the keyboardist and winger, you probably had a hard time finding work, right? I, I did. I would call BMI for trying to help get them to help me get involved in stuff. I was calling producers or other, and no one would return my calls. All of a sudden, I'm like, and I remember. I remember thinking, wow, 
is this it? Am, am I over now? And uh, but then, like I say, you know, Mark started throwing work, you know, our way, and and all of a sudden it was more and more and more stuff. And then he started subbing me out to other. He started me- me- meeting some other uh, production companies. So I kept really busy uh, all the way up until you know the last. I, I kind of mellowed out on that about four or five years ago, and of course now you know back doing shows with Winger and the whole Mick thing. And so the moral of the story is Mark Ferrari was the savior of some of the hey, 80s guys I, behind the scenes. Trust me, I, I owe Mark <laughs> big time. I mean, he did. He totally kept me going for a good number of years, and I mean, I still reap the rewards of it because those songs are all they they're out there in the right. system. So I still will be watching a show, and all of a sudden there'll be this song, and I'll be kind of going singing along with. It. All of a sudden I'll go, oh my god. That's me, you know, because I forget it. I mean, it's a lot of songs, 350. I mean, so I and I a lot of them are just goofy songs that I pumped out for him and I never listened to him again. And but, you know, and the moral of this is, you know, Mark was handsomely rewarded because he sold that whole company to, I think, Universal. He sold it for a lot of money. So very well for him. And he and he should have because, you know what? Aside from it being his idea and all that, he worked his buns off. He was, you know, all day on the phones. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, and I'd see him like, you know, we went to a meeting one time and they were basically trying to shut him down and say no. And he just, it went right over his head. He just kept at him and kept at him. And I'm like, you know, I would have been like, okay, okay, you know. Yeah. No, I've known Mark forever. And um, I'm very, he, I remember when he was doing it, he used to talk to me about it, but I'm not a writer. I'm not a musician. It went right over my head. He's like, I got this thing. And I was like, that's cool, Mark. Good luck to you. But I mean, I, I don't play a note of anything. I don't know. There's nothing I can tell you about it, but he was, you know, when I saw everything that happened for him and we're still in touch, I mean, it was wonderful. It was really cool to see. You played with uh, Kiefer's playing here tomorrow night. You were in Kiefer's band for a while, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I did the last two months of Cinderella and then... Right, uh, Cinderella, right. And then right at the end, Tom said, hey, I'm I'm releasing my solo record and, you know, I'm going to go that direction and will you play keys? And I said, of course, you know, Tom is a sweetheart of a guy and... Uh, so we threw that band together with, you know, Billy Mercer and Tony Higby and, yeah. and Polly and all them. So uh, I did that for four years. And, yeah. and then Winger started getting busier and busier. And Kip's like, man, could you just please jump back in full time? And so, yeah. So, so let, that that brings us full circle then to Winger. And you guys are playing here today on day one of Rock Island. Yeah. And, you've and been what out a there. lineup, too. Wigwam, us, Mr. Big, and Night Ranger. I, I, it's a solid bill. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to see all those bands. So Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's great that you guys have been active and doing stuff again. I tell people all the time, it's like it was so criminally unfair that Winger took the brunt, really one of the the, the biggest bands to get the backlash of the 80s. But in reality – Nobody could argue one of the most talented. And to this day, it's all original guys. You all actually play guys. live we totally, play every, that, yeah. which is well, a big thing for we me. We sing everything, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not but so good. But that's the way live good. rock and roll is supposed to be. That's the whole point. Yeah, no, I, you know, the band, I am you know feel blessed to play with these guys. I mean, obviously, people like Reb and Rod. I mean, they're just, you know, and Kip is like a freak of nature. Sure. I mean, all his classical stuff. I listen to that. The, this fact, he sits and programs that stuff in MIDI spins my brain. He's... I've seen him, you know, get three nights of standing ovations at the Nashville Symphony Hall. And he's, uh, you know, it's funny that the one guy that people used to go, oh, he doesn't even play his bass in the right. videos. And I'm like, trust me, he can play the bass. And, he, you know, right. he's one of the most talented guys I've worked with in the music business by a long shot. Yeah, yeah. And this feels good for you to be guy, you guys be back out here again. I mean, all the shows, I've seen you guys so many times. The shows are always great. The crowds seem to grow every year. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, it's just, I, I think people have a whole new appreciation I, for I, what you're doing and what you did. Well, and I, think I think we've everybody, redeemed ourselves finally. Well, you know, we, we but all everybody had, our, had that, We had man. those videos in the day. We look back now and go, oh, my God. You but know? everybody did. <laughs> yeah, you I guys know. weren't the only ones. That's the <laughs> point. It's like you got hit the hardest, but you could throw a no no pun intended throw a dart and find any band from that era that yeah, true. that was kind of you know that was the thing then and uh, i you know i think too many people were listening with their eyes and not their ears yeah you know yeah. which was a big hey it's all good i probably would have been one of them you know you, you never know but i you know every time we play somebody will come up and go man i've never seen you guys before and now I, i'm like blown away you know so that's a good thing to hear you know that that they're pleasantly surprised and what do you attribute the fact that winger is pretty much the only band 
that I can think of pretty much from the 80s that has all original members. Yeah, plus one. <laughs> yeah, know? plus one. Because yeah. when you John were gone, Roth John Roth came yeah, in, the new guy and they came held in, on to him he came when you came back. Like, what, 30 years ago? Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and we couldn't have gotten a better guy. John Roth, I mean, that guy's got a voice and a half, and he is the nicest guy. Yes. Uh, Love him so. Yeah. But but what do you think that is that that of all these like so many of these bands from the from the era of Winger are one original member if that not together anymore whatever you guys are the only ones that I can think of maybe a couple others there might be a few, if Poison is active those okay. those four yeah, yeah. they're another yeah, one but right. very very few that's the original band that that, that I mean is, that aren't suing each other so and, yeah I mean no. you guys all seem to be happy oh, and getting along we have a blast it's we, very cool you know we got Red Beach with us and he always just makes us laugh so yeah it's all good yeah <laughs> uh, last thing and I'll let you go all right man you are best known in Winger at least and every night that you guys play it. Kip gives you a mention for writing the song Miles Away. Yeah. Um, tell me about the origins of that song. And if I'm not mistaken, much of the writing in Winger at that point was Kip and Reb doing everything. So to have a song solely written by you and then it, for it to go on to become an enormous hit. Right. Tell well, me so the story. It's funny. There. I wrote that song actually about six years before I, I was actually playing with Eric Martin from Mr. Big at the time in his solo thing. And uh, I just came up with that song in, in a day and Eric sang the demo for me and and I didn't know how to record very well so I've still got the demo of it it sounds horrible but Eric made it you know his his performance on it was enough to convince everybody everyone's like oh my god that's a single it's a single I had this publishing company trying to sell it to heart and all these people and but in the meantime I met Kip and he's like oh my god that's a great song I want to you know they the first record was kind of mostly together and he said, man, I, we're definitely putting on the second record. So we did, and, you know, it became a single. Um, so I'm really Big, lucky. it was a pretty high chart, too, wasn't it? Was yeah, it top, I, can't, I can't. Yeah, it was Top like, 10 or something, wasn't it? I don't like think, across no, the I board, don't, top it was, 40 hit? It was, it was top, you know, top 20, I think. I, yeah, I can't even remember. But it did very well. And uh, so, yeah, I'm lucky. And I'm lucky that I just happened to have Eric singing it because he sold it to everybody, you yeah. know? So yeah, he'll be here in a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, and I pro I told you that was the last thing, but another thing, real quick, Steve Perry, you you did that record, mm -hmm. you did that tour. Are you still in touch with them at all? You know, we haven't talked in a long time. We we kept kind of you know, and everybody just gets busy, and I, I just haven't called him in a long time. But uh, you know, it's good to see him finally putting some stuff out again, and he's. He's, uh, you know, because he, he was such a recluse for so long. And uh, lately he's been pumping out different things and getting out and playing with some different bands, just, you know, getting up and singing with them. And so but very little. That's the thing that nobody can quite figure out is that he he doesn't really perform live. And we all know you got to go on the road if you're going to stand a chance in yeah. the business today. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why, you know, I mean, obviously, well, first off, you know, if he was going to go out and try and sing the, the Journey songs, those things are so high. Yeah. Um, when we toured in 96, um you know, it was he, he was sounding really good, but we kind of geared the set where it started kind of lower and ramped where it kind of warmed him up as we went. But, I mean, you know, there's one video floating around. It's us at the live at the Beacon Theater in New York because Steve always had people taking people's cameras if they were filming, but one got out. And if you go listen to those, man, he was sounding great. And that band was just stellar. Uh, Moise Lucas Jr. on drums, who played with Kenny Loggins, Diana Ross. He was with George Michaels on the Faith Tour. Um, Lincoln Brewster, who's uh, turned into a, an amazing uh, Christian artist now. Incredible little young guitar player mm. uh, that Steve called Chicken Legs. Uh, I mean, he was literally 19 when we when he did the record. Wow. Um, and uh, and then Todd Jensen, we brought in for bass. Right. Uh, which, gotta love Todd. Me, yeah. me and Todd played with Steve and with Al Alice Cooper together. So You know, it, it reminded me when you're talking about Steve. So Steve Perry was on this show in studio with me five, six years ago when that record came out, when he was putting that record together right. and it was coming out. And I... You know, we're, first time I met him, wonderful guy. We had a great Very conversation. Nice. Very nice guy. And uh, I said to him, because he, you know, it was it was crazy because while he was in studio with me, Neil Sean, who I know very well, yeah. was texting me oh. and and saying, tell Steve I said hello. And, you know, trying to extend the olive branch, whatever. Yeah. So I was showing Steve Perry the texts and whatever. So while all this is going on, you know, everybody's like, the big question is, will Steve Perry play live? Will he sing live? So I said to Steve on the air, I said, would you 
consider, you know, are you going to go out and play? And I said, I'm not asking you if you will sing Journey songs. I'm asking you, can you still sing Journey songs? And he gave, you know, a little bit of a ballsy question, but I asked it in a nice way because of what you just said. I know how high they are. Oh, my God. And he, <laughs> he gave a very honest answer on the air. He said, you know what? I could, but we'd have to tune way down. Yeah, there you go. That's what he said. Oh, well, so when, when everyone has all this mystery about why isn't Steve doing this or that, there's no shame in that. To me, the shame would be if he went out and lip synced. And, right. you know, I, I, right. you got to change it or you just don't want to do it at all. To me, that's way more respectful than going out there and singing to a tape. Yeah. So and I understand I mean, it. I mean, nobody is the same now. You know, I'm 59. I'm not the same I was at 22, you well, know? Yeah, everybody, your vocal cords thicken as you get older, and it restricts you being able to hit the high notes. But, I mean, there are those freaks in nature, like Hughes, Mickey, Mickey Thomas, you know, that's Glenn out Hughes, there singing. Tyler. Yeah, those yeah. guys, you know, you get the exceptions to the rule. But for the majority of them, it's like, wow, why did we write those melodies that were so high? You yeah. Know? Um, but paint yourself into a corner. But I mean, you know, and there's probably a majority of the songs that he could sing and probably sound pretty I good. I think so. But then you get into the stuff like Faithfully, where at the end it's through the stratosphere. And I mean, you know, so. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Well, man, you've had some amazing, you've been a part of so many cool things. And I, that's, I was, I'm glad you took some time today because. Yeah, hey, I appreciate I, it. Yeah, I love getting those stories, you know, and I think the public doesn't hear from, from guys that fill that very important role that you do nearly enough. So um, I appreciate you coming by. And you said earlier, not a lot coming up for Winger this year. You guys are going to take it slow in, in 24, right? Yeah, I mean, we are doing shows, but nothing close to what we did this last year. We, we played a lot of shows last year, which, you know, obviously, being our 35th year together and releasing the seventh record, we, we wanted to get out there. And this year will be a little bit more about everybody kind of getting into their own personal projects. And uh, But we'll still be playing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out there for you. I'm sure I'll see you out there at some gigs coming up. All right. Paul Taylor from Winger, everybody. Well, always love talking to those guys you don't get to hear from all that often. Paul Taylor working with Mick Mars on his coming new record. An original member of Winger. As a matter of fact, he wrote one of their biggest hits, Miles Away, as he talked about there. Uh, great insights, great conversation. Always fun to talk to the people you don't hear from all that much in these bands that we love. And I thank Paul for coming by. And, of course, Brett Michaels joining me earlier. Hey, be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter or X, Instagram, Facebook page. Upcoming appearances the 16th. I'm in Norco, California at Rockstars of Tomorrow with Phil X doing a speaking show. 17th, Long Beach, California at the Gas Lamp also doing a speaking show. If you're in those areas of the country, please come out and see me and listen to the radio show Trunk Nation every day, Monday through Friday, live on Sirius XM Channel 103, Faction Talk, or anytime on the Sirius XM app if you're in the U.S. or Canada. The interviews you hear on this podcast originated live there. So again, you're only getting a tiny taste if you only listen to the podcast and you get the radio show. Come on board and join me again. SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk to sign up for three free months. No obligation, no credit card required. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.